Coming up, subversity with Dan Zhang. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California nor the management of KUCI. Uh, with us uh, on the phone are two directors of a new film, film a documentary on a co-founder of the Black Panther Party. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Great. Uh, with us are t- the two directors. Uh, maybe you could introduce yourself. Uh, ben first. Sure. Um, thanks for having us again, Dan. Uh, my name is Ben Wong. I'm the one of the co-producers, co-directors of Aoki. Um, and at the time, I was a student at UC Davis when I first met Richard um, with Mike, and we uh, began working on the documentary um, for over five years. And it's premiering in L.A. on Tuesday, so we're really excited to be here. And um, the other director... <laughs> Hey, Dan, this is Mike Chang, um, also co-director and co-producer of the film, and we're down in L.A. for the next couple of days for um, our Los Angeles premiere, which will be tomorrow night at the downtown um, cinema, and thanks for having us. Oh, sure. Yeah, not very many people know that there was a Japanese-American, uh, Asian-American, who was a co-founder of the Black Panther Party. When you found out about that, were you surprised? Yeah, I was I was definitely um, you know surprised to learn that here was someone who you know was not only a founding member of the Black Panther Party, he was a field marshal in the Black Panther Party, and was also involved heavily in the Third World Strike at UC Berkeley. So for me, it was definitely um, you know empowering as someone who um, I'm Chinese and Japanese American, and uh, some of my family, my great grandparents, and great uncles and aunts, some of them were interned during World War II in the Japanese uh, concentration camps. And so um, here was someone that, you know, even in my own community, in my own family, someone that, um, you know, wasn't talked about, wasn't, you know, wasn't brought up in um, even our Asian American studies classes, really. And so when we had a chance to meet with Richard and, you know, hear some of his stories, it was definitely surprising. But, um, you know, we, we, we had done our, you know, some research. There is some material um, about Richard, some interviews and some writings and whatnot, but it was definitely empowering and uh, great to be able to talk to him and interview him um, over these years. Uh, he came to your class then to speak? Did he come to no. your class no, at UC Davis, or how did you meet him initially? Well, initially, uh, Ben had arranged, Ben and I were both student organizers uh, in a group called Third World Forum. Uh, in addition to organizing, we also had our own student newspaper, and so Ben had actually arranged. Uh, to set up an interview with Richard, and so uh, Ben had asked me if I'd like to go along with him to that interview, so that's the first time we actually met Richard, and our relationship with Richard wasn't really so much as filmmakers and the subject of the documentary. He was really, you know, uh, we we really we got along well with him from that first meeting, and he really kind of took us under his wing and, you know, introduced us to a lot of different people in the Bay Area, um, different political organizations. He would call us up to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, political events going on at the time, uh, talk about the news, see what we thought about what was happening in the world. Um, the Iraq War was about to start. This was 2002. Wow. And, and so really we got to know him more on, he, you know, he was almost like a, I guess you could say he was kind of like a social justice mentor to us. Did, and, he, did he sound um, like doctrinaire at all? Did he what? Doctrinaire. Did he sound doctrinaire? Because sometimes uh, people who, you know, have been in the movement quite a long time sound very um, kind of doctrinaire about their views. 
or did you find him very open? Uh, yeah, I think um, he was definitely someone where, you know, if any anyone who talks to him, you know, he doesn't come off across as, um, you know, with doctrinaire at all to me. Um, he has, you know, great sense of humor and a great, you know, storytelling, and he's just really real. And so for college students at the time, for, you know, some of the younger folks who did get to meet him, I think our experiences with him is, you know, it, it, he was someone who was just really real and was able to kind of connect with a lot of different people from different walks um you know, different walks of life. And um, I think he was able to break down a lot of these theoretical issues yeah. into um, ways that were easy to understand and really relatable to folks. And so I think that was one, definitely one of Richard's um, kind of uh, great qualities that he had. And, you know, he, he, he was able to take these big, um, you know, big concepts and big ideas, but really um, be able to relate to people. And I think for me, you know, a big part of that was his amazing sense of humor, which I think, um, you know, comes across in the film. Yeah, it definitely does, uh, especially when he explains um, uh, when he was first asked to join in the formal party, in the Black Panther Party, having known the leaders for a long time, the people that were working on um, organizing it. And he said, are you colorblind? <laughs> he asked. Uh, was he? Did he ask Huey Newton that? He, I, I think uh, he was saying that kind of like a you know joking, like you know it's kind of rhetorical since obviously everybody knew that he was Asian and not black. I just wanted to add on to what Ben was saying though, in terms of if Richard was heavily indoctrinated. Um, Richard was definitely like Ben was saying, open and and very much able to conversate with all types of people, not just, you know, super political people from his time and not just, you know, activists, but all people from all walks of life. Um, but obviously, you know, as you saw in the film, uh, Richard never backed down from what he believed either. Right. And so I, I think he struck a pretty fine uh, balance. You know, he, was, he wasn't a pushover, and he definitely could hold his own um, in that. But I don't think anybody and, – and he definitely had his political beliefs, um, but I don't think he followed them blindly. I think he he was always a critical thinker, and in in terms of what his philosophies were, he stood by. You know, at one point in the interview in in the documentary, he said uh, we didn't finish what we set out to do, so he was still committed to the values of uh, his youth. Absolutely. And uh, you know, did uh, but what what made you want to do a documentary instead of just the article? Well, you know, um, during the actually the very first time we ever met Richard, um, Ben and I were both really excited to meet him. You know, we we asked him what his opinion were on various books and articles about the movements from back then, and you know, what you know, we asked him what he thought of a couple Black Panther documentaries that we had seen, and so he would share his critiques with us. And one of the things that he just shared was he didn't feel like any documentary had come along that had really gotten the story right from his perspective, huh. and so you know. I just kind of blurted out, well, why don't you let us make a documentary about you, even though ben, neither Ben or I had any type of filmmaking experience whatsoever. <laughs> it was really a spur-of-the-moment thing that's that great. I just blurted out. Uh, at the time, Richard, he, he was kind of like, no, you know, I think that's okay. Um, and we just moved on in the conversation, and really uh, I just forgot about it. And a few months later, after Richard had gotten to know, know us, we had started working with him um, in one of the organizations that he had introduced us to, uh, he called. He had called me up, and we were talking. And then he he brought up. He he said, you know, do you remember when you asked if uh, you and Ben could do a documentary about me? And I said, yeah. 
And Richard said, well, you know, I've been thinking about it, and if, you know, my life story can can be a, can shed some light and answer questions for other people, then I'm, I'm willing to go ahead and make that, you know, make the documentary if you're willing to. And so at that point, you know, Ben and I were just, you know, we were really excited, but at the same time it was kind of like, okay, now we got to learn how to make a documentary. But I think really for Richard what it was was he just wanted, I think he, he had to get to know us first, you know, because, you know, when I when we first met him, of course, you know, he really didn't know us that well. We had just met. Um, and over time, after, you know, we actually developed, you know, like kind of a friendship, um, at that point I think he felt more comfortable in allowing us to pursue a documentary about him. And I think, you know, you know, the primary motivation for me was just that, you know, R- Richard did play a pretty big, big role in terms of um, kind of inspiring and motivating and um, serving as a mentor for my own student and community organizing and things that I cared about and uh, shaping different, you know, beliefs that I had. And so, you know, any way that we could kind of share that with others for folks who may not have had a chance to, um, you know, know Richard like that, you, you know, we were more than, um, you know, more than excited to do whatever we could to try to document that um, that history and, you know, um, Richard's Richard's character. Um, even even if we didn't have you know any um, any filmmaking experience at the time, and I think I think we were just at a stage in our lives where you know we we didn't you know we didn't think about the barriers you know that would be involved. We were just um, you know Richard inspired us um, so much that you know we were we were willing to take that on and kind of learn as we go. I think our concept of the film definitely changed over time. In the beginning, we thought. Um, you know, we, we really didn't think it would take five plus years to, to make this. We were a little naive to the whole filmmaking process. Um, at, at, in the very beginning, we thought, you know, maybe we could just do a more, um, almost like a, a music video version of Richard's life because that was what had appealed to us at the time. Um, but through conducting a lot of really more in-depth interviews and um, being able to, you know, get get a hold of, a lot of footage of Richard's um, Richard's speeches and archival material. We we ended up making it into a feature length documentary. It was digital available then at the time. Yeah, we um, we utilized a digital camcorder, three um, CCD. It was a Sony three CCD camcorder, mini DV. Ah, ah, yeah. And uh, so uh, the archival footage you had to convert uh, from film, I suppose, huh? Um. Yeah, we for some of the archival material we were able to get it transferred from the agency that um, had you know produced the news the news station. Oh. But it was yeah all all digital since we edited on yeah we edited on the on a PC. Did they uh, did they charge you for the rights or were they very helpful in giving it to you? Um, yeah, so some of the archival material, a lot of people were very generous in terms of donating. Um, Emery Douglas um, donated, who was um, one of the Black Panther Party. Um, he was the editor for the newspaper. Huh. Um, he, he donated, you know, generously some of um, his artwork, um, Rose Payne and um, Ilka Hartman. So different folks who were involved in the movement um, were very generous with some of their um, footage, but we did... We did also um, seek out and uh, have to purchase some of the archival material from uh, news outlets. Were you able to get funding for some of this? Um, it was basically 
we weren't able to get any major grants. We did receive a small startup grant um, kind of in the initial stages of the project um, really early on, but pretty much it was all um, self-funded and um yeah, we we did not receive any you know major grant funding or d- donations. Credit cards, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Funded by the banks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, how about the the story then? Uh, you didn't actually focus much on his family. I didn't see much in the film about his uh, so-called private life. Uh, did, was that deliberate or? That was deliberate. Um, you know, we had made a conscious decision. To, to kind of make a political biography on Richard's life. Uh, Richard was a very open and friendly person to those who knew him, but at the same time, um, he highly valued his personal and private life as well. And we really wanted to respect that. Um, you know, the lessons of Richard's experiences in, you know, so many different aspects of his life where he organized and was involved in different movements, um, we didn't feel that adding personal details about his personal life really enhanced any lessons that could be learned from that. So we really focused more on his political life as opposed to uh, his private life. But I think I'm still curious about how his family viewed his political activities or his wife or his children. Uh, well, in the in the film, um, Richard kind of refers to his mother at the time. She was, she was a bit embarrassed about yeah. the fact that her son was, you know, how, you know, out in the streets organizing, he, you getting know, arrested. he was on film getting yeah. arrested. And so that did create, you know, some tension between him and his mom. Um, Richard actually was never married. He was engaged at one point. Oh, I see. Okay. But uh, he never married or had kids. A lot of people often ask, you know, was he married? Did he have kids? Yeah, and yeah. yeah. That, so. Yeah, his mother was um, had, had remarried, so she was happy she didn't have his, his last name. Right. <laughs> so, wow. So anyway, he... So he was. But ironically, uh, his yeah. stepfather, uh, Richard, he used to tell us, you know, he would get arrested, you know, either as part of the Third World Strike or, you know, doing whatever. And his stepfather would actually come and bail him out of jail, and he would just tell him, don't tell your mom that I came and did this. <laughs> so, so it seems, it's, you know, from the way Richard tells it, it sounds right. like his stepfather was pretty supportive, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, of Richard's good. political work. So. Yeah, it's too bad. So he's it, wasn't all, not, yeah. it wasn't all negative within his family. It's too bad he's not here because. It would be nice to ask him what he thinks of the current uh, UC situation versus what he was involved in um, in the strike, you know. Yeah, Richard was, you know, he was very, as, as, comes, as I think comes across in the film, he was very involved with, you know, even students of the present day. You know, uh, in 1999, the uh, students at UC Berkeley kind of revived the Third World Strike, and he was one of the advisors. Ah. Uh, he always, just like Ben and I were students, and he made himself available to us, you know, to, to meet with him and ask him questions. He, there, there are several students like us who, you know, who over the years have gotten to know Richard and met him, and he was always supportive of students' struggles and movements, and even when students were organizing in ways that were very different from how uh, he had organized with, you know, his groups in the 60s, uh, he was still very supportive um, of their efforts, and so... I'm, I'm sure today he would still be, you know, he would be right there with the students on the picket lines uh, as they're as they're fighting all these crazy student fee hikes and everything else that's going on um, at, in the university and uh, state and community college systems. So you didn't sense you didn't sense among the students any kind of ageism against him. I think. Um, 
I think this is connected well with the younger generation, and at least for me, you know, as a student, I didn't feel like there was any ageism involved in, you know, our interactions. I think one of the things that we do try to bring out in the film isn't just that, you know, Richard, you know, was someone who was involved in the 60s and 70s and then, you know, kind of left the scene, um, but he was someone who was committed. He really persevered through a lot of tough times. Um, but maintained a lot of his principles and core beliefs and was active, you know, until, you know, his dying day. And so whether it was uh, still being connected to different student struggles and ethnic studies kind of struggles um, in the 90s and the 2000s um, and, you know, protesting the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, um, you know, he was definitely connected to, you know, current day, present day struggles and, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just something that we're trying to glorify or romanticize about what happened, you know, in 1969 or something. But you know, he he really was someone who uh, made it a lifelong commitment. And I think um, you know, in the in his latter years, he definitely uh, was able to uh, connect with a lot of the younger generation folks as well. Do you think he uh, became a radicalized because of his experience as a kid in the internment camps? I, I think so. I think that was um, perhaps part of you know his early political um, politicalization process, as well as um, other experiences. Other experiences he had um, in in the film, um, we do cover you know his experience a little bit in the internment camps as well. His um, as well as you know growing up in West Oakland and then. Um, serving in the military for eight years, and so I think those three experiences definitely um, were, were were some of the things that that did politicize him. I'm amazed he served in the military. I mean, he looked um, like a happy uh, camper in some of the pictures. But why did he why did he join? Well, you know, at the time uh, that Richard enlisted into the military, I believe it was 1959 or 19. 19- it was actually 1958 or 59, I believe. Um, at that time, um, several several people told us, especially for young men of color, uh, unless you went to college, there were no other options, uh, really, in terms of employment other than the military. Richard was also uh, very much fascinated with military history. And, and you know, he, he told us even as a youth, he would read all kinds of books about, you know, you know, the Civil War or the Revolutionary War or wars around the world and, you know, the, the general thought and strategies and all that. So uh, he definitely, want, you know, was gung-ho about the military when he joined. Um, I do think the concentration camp experience played a part in his radicalization, but like Ben was saying, I think it was more a combination of growing, first being in a concentration camp at Topaz, Utah, then growing up in the West Oakland ghetto and then finally being in the military and hearing about what was happening in Vietnam. I think all three really combined to make him who he was, and I think the pieces just kind of fell together for him in terms of shaping his outlook. You know, in the film, yeah. in the film, he he says uh, the experience he thinks growing up in West Oakland is what really opened his eyes to a lot of injustice and made him, uh, as he put it, politically sensitive to the nature to the issues of the day, and and so. Um, you know, I think I think being in the military was finally like the last piece of the puzzle that that kind of helped him put that picture together. Where was he based? He was based in Monterey at Fort Ord, uh, oh. which was a military base, which I believe is now closed. But he was a junior drill sergeant there. 
Ah, oh, I see. So he was a drill sergeant and then became a drill sergeant for the Black Panther Party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe yeah. he got fascinated with weapons in the military. Um, yeah, I think I think his, his uh, affection for weapons um, was already developed before he went to the military, but it definitely increased his appreciation. And interesting enough, actually several former Panthers, uh, several of the people who eventually became uh, members of the Black Panther Party did have uh, military experience. You know, there's Richard uh, and Bobby Seale and Big Hilbert, Big Man Howard, who are in the film. Yeah, yeah. Also, Geronimo Pratt, who is part of sure. the L.A. after, and several other Panthers um, came from the military, and with that military experience, uh, were able to change it and use it to, you know, serve the people and serve the Black Panther Party. Yeah, Pratt was actually released out here in Orange County. Right. Uh, I think I walked with his lawyer to to the jailhouse. As he was being released, uh, they, the courthouse was next next to the jailhouse, and mm-hmm. so they, all these reporters were there, and I was hanging yeah. around. So that was just a few years ago. Right. Um, so the uh, in in terms of the Black Panther history, you know, um, some people think of it as uh, kind of a kind of a male oriented group, and he uh, kind of he also didn't want women at first in the in the Black Panther Party. But he changed his mind. Yeah, he did. You know, and I think uh, Richard feels very strongly as, uh, at, about that point um, of the fact that, number one, during that period of time, they were kind of learning as they went. You know, uh, there was no manual on how to, how to uh, grow a, a, a revolutionary political party within the U.S., you know. And, you know, having women in leadership positions, Richard really feels strongly about that. And, um, if pers- you know, some of the women Panthers that Ben and I know personally, such as Tariqa Lewis, the first woman uh, to join the Black Panther Party, or Erica Huggins, uh, they're very strong women, you know, and they, they serve key positions in the Black Panther Party. You know, Kathleen Cleaver, who's in the film. Yeah. And, you know, definitely, I mean, we live in the U.S., and in the U.S. there's definitely misogyny and sexism and patriarchy. And so that's going to be reflected in all all areas of life within the U.S. And political organizations are no exception, you know. But while you know there might have been sexist and misogynist incidents within the party, there there was also a strong um, movement against that from the women Panthers themselves. You know, they were not defenseless, helpless, mindless uh, members of the party who who just took abuse. You know, they stood up for themselves, and, you know, many women campers will tell you, you know, if they felt that they were disrespected, they would say, no, I will not be disrespected, you know, and they would hash it out, have discussions, and and move on. And I know Richard has extreme an extreme amount of respect for uh, women campers. I mean, he's got a, you know, he's got a great amount of respect for campers like Kathleen and Tarika and many others. So, you know, that. That, you know, wasn't a major focus of our film. We did have a scene in there where Richard kind of touches on it. Um, but I know Richard definitely felt strongly about the importance of having women, especially in leadership roles in the party, and how how he feels a lot of times um, it's, a, a, it's an unfair criticism um, against the Black Panther Party in terms of the allegations of the sexism and whatnot. You, you have a clip in there of uh, him saying, that the the teachers, I guess, at uh, Merritt College were gender confused. What did you mean? What did he mean by that? <laughs> you know, we never asked him. We just kind of let it be. Um, so I'm not sure if, if I'm not sure exactly what he was referring to. My guess would be 
that some of the faculty might have been either homosexual or transgender, um, but you know we never we, we never really went back and revisited that. So, do you do you know what his views on gays were? I know I know Richard supported gay rights. You know um, I don't think it was something that he was he was like you know at the at the at the front lines of in terms of organizing. Um, but I know he he didn't have a problem with you know the gay rights movement, and he never you know he didn't have anything against it that I know of you know, and he always expressed support for it. But I I think I don't recall him ever really being actively involved in that in that struggle either. Because uh, Huey Newton, of course, came out and said uh, gay people could be as revolutionary as uh, as uh, non-gay people uh, right. at a party convention in Philadelphia. And then right. the, I have actually the FBI um, documents that tried to spear him because of that. Uh, the FBI created um, uh, bogus letters from other party members, supposedly, saying, Brother Huey, can, how can you be you know, so supportive of fags? And uh, you know, sent the letters to different members trying to cause disruption in the Black Panther Party. So that was kind of a... a that, that Part of the some of the operation is alluded to in your in your film about how the uh, government set up these programs to eliminate the Black Panther Party. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I think you know the the clips that you're referring to. I think that you know hopefully our, one of the strengths of our film is that we were able to just get a lot of candid material. Yeah. Um, you know, just connecting interviews, but also you know it was kind of like you know, having conversations with folks and, um, you know, so some of the clips, it's it, it, it's not all politically correct and it's not all, you know, all nice and tidy, but it's it's kind of like just having a conversation with someone and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, the audience will, will feel connected and be able to get to know, uh, you know, get to know the different characters in our, in our film that way. Yeah, it's good that it's uh, raw, you know, and that, you know, I mean, it, I don't like politically correct <laughs> images. And so, uh, yeah, so this is good. Uh, how about the people you did interview for reactions? Uh, were they happy to uh, volunteer their reactions to him? Absolutely. You know, I think it's a testament to Richard and how principled he was that pretty much anybody we approached uh, with this project, you know, whether it was to do conduct an interview or get, you know, archival footage or whatever the case may be, they were all extremely supportive and very much willing to, to help us in the project. You know, um, as we talked about earlier, we had, we had basically almost no budget for this film, and several people we interviewed, they regularly, routinely charge honorarium fees to make speaking appearances or are compensated to do interviews, but uh, that wasn't the case with us. You know, they said, for Richard, you know, definitely, you know, anytime you need to do an interview, let me know. And that, that really, you know, helped us out a lot. Um, in terms of, of that. In terms of the reaction, um, everybody featured in the film that I've heard from really had, you know, strong words of encouragement, and they really appreciated it. We also actually, in 2008, Richard's health was already beginning to decline, and so we actually had, we screened a rough cut. It wasn't the final cut. Um, at, at a community center called Eastside uh, East Arts Alliance in East Oakland, uh, in the Bay Area, which Richard was able to attend, wow. and you know he he really liked it, and he he told us he thought we did a good job and it was accurate. And our final our final cut, which you know you know the finished product is basically the same thing. It's a little more polished. Uh-huh. Um, you know we added the musical score and you know trimmed some of the fat, 
but for the most part, the basic content of what Richard saw stayed the same. And so I think, at least speaking for myself, the fact that Richard was able to see the, uh, the rough cut and the fact that you approved it, I mean, that really was the biggest uh, valid. You know, that was the biggest source of validation that I I could possibly get for this film. So, sure, yeah. uh, in terms of the other folks, um, I think I think from from my recollection, everybody, you know, everybody's been pretty positive with it. You know, several people, Kathleen Cleaver, sent us an email congratulating us on the film. Uh, she thought it was very well done, and and several others as well. Yeah, you interviewed uh, people like uh, uh, Yuri Kochiyama, who herself uh, also is a leader in the movement, and uh, and also Harvey um, uh, Dong, who who is friends with uh, with Richard and um, now runs a bookstore in um, in Berkeley. Uh, yes, Berkeley which and, is and the LA. official, yeah. which is the official um, online distributor in. Uh, also, you can get it in their store, but they're the official seller for um, the DVD of Aoki. <laughs> yeah, cool. And uh, Diane Fujino, who's the biographer, she's writing a, a biography of of him uh, called Samurai Among um, Among the uh, what? Among uh, can't Panther. remember. Among the Panthers, yeah. And um, the um, do you do you know if uh, is yours the only documentary that actually shows? Uh, a lot about uh, uh, Richard Aoki. As far as we know, uh, it's the only documentary that's actually focused on Richard as the subject. Yeah. Um, he's made a couple appearances in documentaries. Uh, his first actual time publicly acknowledging that he was a member of the Black Panther Party was in a 1989 KQED or PBS documentary on the Black Panther Party. Ah. Uh, it was it was filmed shortly after Huey P. Newton's death. And at that point, Richard had decided it was okay to publicly acknowledge that he was actually a member of the Black Panther Party. Before that, um, it was it was a secret. Um, and I think he was in a short uh, documentary about the student strike in 1999 that kind of did a retrospective on on you know the Third World Liberation Front and the Third World Strike. And Richard was in that film as well. Uh, ben, I'm not sure if you can think of any other documentaries Richard might have been in. Yeah, so more recently um, there was a documentary called Merritt College, Home of the Panthers, which focuses a little more on kind of the education and serve the people programs of the Black Panther Party and specifically the group, um, you know, the, the founders that came out of Merritt College. And oh. so Richard was interviewed for that film as well. Oh, right, yeah. And uh, in terms of uh, his uh, uh, his his activities 